Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired. Hi friends, and welcome to the second episode of Season 2 of Crafting and Coffee with Amy Ladder Creations. Today we're going to be talking about the top five hand lettering mistakes that folks tend to make, especially when they're first starting out with the hobby, and then we're going to talk about how easy they are to fix. So welcome, I'm so glad you're tuning in today. I'm Amy Latta, your hostess, and I am, among many other things, a hand lettering artist. I have a website at amylattacreations.com where I love to share all kinds of craft projects and tutorials, and my emphasis is hand lettering. It's my favorite personal way to create art, and so I have a passion for sharing that with others. I like to do that through tutorials on my website, obviously through this podcast, through the books that I've written on hand lettering, and I also love to teach in-person workshops. I do them locally in the Maryland area. And I've also had opportunities to travel to some really cool places. I've been to Pinner's Conference in Atlanta. I've been to the CCSA convention in Missouri. And I've had all kinds of fun opportunities to work with different kinds of groups of people and teach them all about this fun hobby and how you can turn your lettering into art. So as I've done this, what I've noticed is that there are a couple of common things that trip folks up. And They're really simple things and they're easy things to fix, but when you're first starting out and they happen to you, they can be incredibly frustrating. And what I see is folks getting discouraged or, you know, wanting to throw their pens across the room and quit before they've even really given the hobby a fair start. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to talk about these top five mistakes that I often see people making and things that I actually did myself when I was starting out with hand lettering in the hopes that as we talk through how to overcome them, you will be able to see which, if any of these, apply to your particular lettering journey, and hopefully we can get you all fixed up and on the right track to enjoying this fun hobby. So I want to clarify really quickly that today, for our purposes, when we're talking about lettering, we are specifically talking about something called brush-style script. Now, I want to say that hand lettering itself is a huge category, and it encompasses tons of different font styles, different writing styles. It encompasses all kinds of embellishments, illustrations, design grids. There's a a really big library of things that fall under this umbrella. However, for most folks, when they start saying, I want to learn hand lettering, I want to letter, what they're really talking about is one particular font, the most popular, well-known one called brush script. And this style looks different when different artists do it just based on the size and the slant and the, the style that that artist puts behind it. But brush script is basically a script alphabet that's written where you see a contrast between thick and thin lines within individual letters. So for example, if you look at a cursive letter A that someone has written in this font, you'll notice that some of the strokes are wide, thick, dark strokes, and others are thinner. So there's a mixture within each letter of dark, thick strokes and lighter, thinner strokes. Kind of makes sense? And this is what you're seeing everywhere. This is sort of the face of hand lettering. It's what you see in marketing. It's, you know, when you go to Hobby Lobby and you see the signs that look, quote unquote, hand lettered, 
that's what you're looking at and that's what is so visually appealing and everybody wants to learn how to do it. So today we're talking about this particular style of writing. Now there's two ways to achieve that style. The actual um, real, if you will, technique is called brush lettering and you achieve that with a special type of pen. You have to use the correct tool. It is a brush tip pen, which means that the tip of that marker or pen is unlike what you're used to. It's not a ballpoint, it's not a bullet tip. It actually flexes and bends when you apply pressure to it. So the idea is when you use a brush pen, if you push hard, you get a darker, thicker line, and when you release the pressure, you get a lighter, thinner line. So by controlling the angle that we hold that brush and the amount of pressure that we apply as we make the different strokes, we get that contrast that we just talked about between thick and thin lines. So the actual technique for doing this brush technique is a legitimate art technique that takes time and practice and repetition to get into your muscle memory, just like anything else, like riding a bike, driving a car. And you know, it's it's a difficult thing when you're first starting out to master because it really does take time and practice. So what I often do, um, probably 99.9% of the time when I start teaching someone, unless they have already sort of mastered that skill elsewhere for some other reason, I start out with something called faux calligraphy. And this is what I call my fake it until you make it method, which allows us to sort of cheat, if you will, and get that look, but without having to do the brush technique. So you can use any type of pen, a bullet tip marker, fine tip marker, you can even do it with a pencil. And all you do is you write your word in script, and then you go back and where you want your thick lines to go, you draw a second line and color in between those two lines, your original and that second artificial line that you drew in. So as you color, that gives you the impression of a thicker line. It's two different ways to achieve the same look. And, you know, not one's not right and the other wrong. Um, it's just two different methods of getting to the same end. So as we're talking today, keep in mind that whether you're doing faux calligraphy or brush script or trying your hand at both, these top five mistakes and how to correct them apply to both of those particular techniques. Now, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and tackle mistake number one, which is putting your thick lines in the wrong place. So this is one of the most common things that I see because in order to really understand lettering and get your letters to look visually appealing, there's one rule that you have to follow. Everything else kind of boils down to style and preference, but there is one kind of hard and fast rule that you want to follow when you're getting this brush script look. And that is that the downstrokes are thick and everything else is thin. Downstrokes are thick, everything else is thin. Now that's not particularly helpful if you don't know what a downstroke is. We have to think about the fact that when we're moving our pen on a piece of paper writing letters, our hand is always moving in some direction. Sometimes it's moving up away from us on the paper. So if you think about writing the word joy, let's say that you're going to start that letter J, you're going to be moving up and away from yourself to do that little tail on the front. 
then you're going to switch and you're going to be moving down toward yourself for that nice long stem of the J. Then as you get to the bottom, you're going to switch and you're going to be going up away from yourself again. So we've got our pen moving in different directions, up and down, toward us and away from us. There's also the possibility that sometimes our pen is moving horizontally, more or less. So when we're crossing a T or we're doing the crossbar in a capital H, we're making a horizontal stroke. So we've got our upstrokes when our pen is moving away, our downstrokes when our pen is moving toward us, and our horizontal strokes when we're simply moving from one side of the page to the other. So with that in mind, our downstrokes, anytime the pen is coming down, those are the lines that we want to be thicker than the rest. All of the others, we want to be thin. That is the hard and fast rule for this brush style script. And what trips people up is when they don't know that rule and they just try to artificially thicken random lines at random places in random letters. And it looks odd. It doesn't look balanced. It doesn't look correct. And your eyeballs kind of go, what am I looking at? So um, if you hop over to the website at amyladdercreations.com, I basically have the content of this podcast as a blog post, and I have some photo illustrations so you can see sort of what that looks like. Um, There is a piece of wall art on a Starbucks that I sometimes visit, and the person who did it, you know, not to knock them as an artist by any means, but they were not someone who knew the rules of this brush-lettered script, and so they were trying to achieve that look, but they didn't know how, so they went in and they were adding thick strokes in random places, and the whole thing just looks and feels off balance, and every time I'm in there and I look at it, I want to fix it, and that's the problem. That's what's going on, is that the downstrokes are not the thick strokes. Um, Sometimes they are, but then other times they thickened lines that were going up or lines that are going across, and it just... Um, It doesn't look right when we do that. So that first mistake, the way to fix it is by remembering downstrokes are the thick lines and then by finding where those downstrokes are. Now, I know that that is not necessarily something that everyone already knows. It's certainly not something that I knew intuitively when I started lettering. Um, It's something that you kind of have to sit with and figure out where is my pen moving down. If it's coming down toward me, that's where I want a thick line. If it's not coming down toward me, I don't want to do that. To make it easier, there are lots and lots of sample alphabets that you can find. I have one in that blog post I mentioned, as well as many other posts on my page. I have sample alphabets that you can look at, um, both uppercase and lowercase. You can find these also, um, lots and lots of them on Pinterest. Other lettering artists have them on their websites. There are tons of resources, books, um, my book, Hand Lettering for Relaxation, you can find it. And, you know, once you get your hands on a nice sample alphabet that you can look at when you're writing your letters, you can use that as a reference for where those downstrokes are until you learn them by memory. Over time, when you've written a letter enough, you'll start to remember, oh, this is the part that needs to be thick, and this is the part that's thin. But when you're first starting out, it's really nice to have a reference guide so you can just look at those letters and make sure that your letters are matching up with how the thick and thin are distributed in that reference alphabet. So the first mistake, again, is putting thick lines where they don't belong and vice versa. And the way to fix it is to make sure that we're thickening the downstrokes and leaving everything else alone. 
The second mistake that I often see folks make is that they know where the thick line needs to be, but they don't stop it in time, if that makes sense. They extend that thickness too far around the curve of a letter. So for example, if you think about a lowercase script letter A, the left-hand side and the right-hand side of that letter are both going to have some downstrokes. You've got it starts with a downstroke, then your pen goes back up, so you'll be thin there, and then you have another downstroke in the little sidebar. Now what I see folks do is they come down on that left side of the A and then they're afraid to stop. They can get they want to make sure they do it enough. And so they keep sneaking around and around that bottom curve of the A. And before you know it, they've thickened part of it where the pen was actually moving up. And what that does is it makes the bottom of your letter, that curve, look really thick and heavy. And if you go far enough, you end up just sort of bolding the whole letter instead of having that nice contrast between thick and thin that we want to have. So I recommend you want to stop at the moment that your pen starts to change direction. So keep in mind, you know, as you're coming down toward yourself, as soon as your pen starts to make a move around that curve, stop early. It's better to stop short and realize, oh, I want to continue that just a little bit further down than it is to go too far around because then you can't really fix it if you've used marker or pen. The other thing, you know, if you're using the actual brush technique and you're changing pressure is to make sure that you change pressure once again exactly at that point where you're going to start moving over and upward again. As soon as your pen has reached its lowest point in that letter, release the pressure or stop the double line so that you don't continue too thick, okay? Um, So that second mistake is too much of a good thing, extending that line too far down and um, having too much of your letter that's thick. So those are our first two most common mistakes, and both of them have to do with that thick versus thin in the brush. And it has to do with how we connect our letters. When we write in cursive, we're taught to keep our pen in contact with the page at all times until we get to the end of the word. Then we can go back and dot our I's, cross our T's, start the next word. But brush lettering, although it is a script style, is not cursive, and that rule does not apply. So what happens sometimes is folks feel like they need to keep that pen flowing on the page, and then they have trouble connecting the letters in a way that's pleasing to their eyes. So what I find is that, you know, I like to write a word in small combinations of letters. So the word phone, for example, I would write my PH, and then I would pick up my pen, And then I would write my O-N, pick up my pen again, and then I would finish by forming my E. And that's just to help me make sure that I'm taking my time, I'm making the connections where and how I want them to be. You can pick up your pen after every single letter. You can pick it up after every other letter. You can write the whole word without picking up your pen if you're comfortable doing that. But what I find is that most folks kind of freeze and they feel like, they have to keep going, and then they're not sure how one letter rolls into the next. But if you pick up your pen, as long as you start the next letter close to or touching the letter before it, you're able to control what those connections look like. So release yourself from the idea that your pen has to be in contact with the paper at all times because it absolutely doesn't. Feel free to pick it up as often as necessary in order to get the look that you want. 
So that one is pretty simple. Mistake number three is being afraid to pick up your pen and the solution is simply to do it. Um, And the more that you practice and you try different words and different combinations of letters, you'll find where you naturally want to lift and restart. The fourth mistake that we want to touch on today is using the wrong tools or supplies. Now, I want to start off by saying that you absolutely do not need to invest a small fortune in expensive supplies in order for your lettering to look good. Uh, You can use whatever markers you happen to have on hand. Yes, there are some that I like better than others. There are definitely pens that I recommend. None of them will break the bank. And when you're starting out, you don't need all the fancy things. But there are a couple things to keep in mind. Believe it or not, the most important thing is the paper that you're using. When you're starting out, for practice purposes, I would say that you should treat yourself to a sketchbook. Look for a very smooth, medium-weight sketch paper to practice on. If you're making projects, I recommend hot-pressed watercolor paper or Bristol board. And You know, the truth is, of course, you can practice with computer paper that you take out of your printer or you can grab notebook paper out of your kids' school notebooks, but the markers are going to interact differently with that cheaper paper and you're not going to get the same kind of results, which is going to be discouraging for you when you look at it. The other thing is that the paper itself, you know, as the marker continues to work on it um, is going to be harder on your markers and shorten their lifespan. So you might think that, you know, you're saving money by using the cheaper paper, but the reality is that it's harder on your other supplies, your markers and pens. Um, Brush markers when used on computer paper too often or, you know, things that aren't that nice smooth sketch paper are going to fray more quickly and easily, and all markers are going to dry up faster because of the way that the paper kind of sucks the ink in. So do yourself a favor, invest in a nice sketchbook, and again, it doesn't have to break the bank. You can get them for less than $10 at your local craft store. You can find them on Amazon. Um, But if you're going to be pursuing this hobby, you owe it to yourself to give yourself a nice place to practice on the right kind of surface. Also, if you're trying your hand at the real brush lettering technique, you have to make sure that you're using a brush pen. Any brand and kind and color will do, but you can't do brush lettering technique without a brush pen. So you just have to make sure that you're using the right tool for the right job. Um, I do have a full list of all my favorite supplies on Amazon. It's amazon.com backslash shop backslash Amy Latta Creations. So if you're curious about my favorites and what I like to use, um, I can certainly help you out there with your shopping. And I have a whole podcast that's devoted to nothing but my favorite hand lettering supplies. So you can certainly check out that episode from season one um, and hear all your questions about supplies, particular markers and pens and, you know, gel pens and metallic pens and all those things addressed. Um, But my encouragement for right now is just making sure that you're using good quality paper and the right tool for the right job. Finally, that brings us to mistake number five. And honestly, I think this is the one that is most common of all. And most all of us are guilty of it, especially when we start out, but even as we continue, and that is being your own worst critic. If you are feeling discouraged about your lettering, there's a good possibility, friend, that the biggest problem you have is your own mindset. 
Um, I often find that folks come to a workshop and they expect to pick up a pen and become a professional in an hour and a half. And that's just not how things work. That's not real life. Like any other skill, lettering takes time. It takes repetition. It takes practice to master it and feel really confident about what you're doing. Um, I have been lettering for over three years. I've written four books on lettering. And let me tell you, I am constantly learning new skills. I'm constantly refining my own style and developing it. I'm learning how to make my designs more pleasing. And when I look at designs that I put in my first book, as opposed to some of the ones that I just turned into the publisher for book four, I can hardly believe that they were done both by me. I feel like I've come so far in this lettering journey. And if I feel that way, you know, imagine when you're first starting out, you have so much to learn. There are so many ways that you can learn new techniques, new embellishments, you know, just constantly improving over time. The more you practice, the better you'll be, just like with anything else. I remember a couple years ago, we were vacationing in Myrtle Beach, and we went to see the Cirque du Soleil um, that was there. And there was this girl who had done amazing things with hula hoops. Like she did this routine and I can't even describe for you how incredible it was and what she could do with those rings. And after the show, she was one of the performers. Um, There were three or four of them that came out to sign autographs and take photos. And we got to meet her because Little Crafter really wanted to say hi. And I was a little bit fangirly. I was like, you are amazing. I don't know how you do all those things with your body. And she laughed and she looked at me and she said, you know, people are always so impressed. But the truth is, it's just a lot of practice. Anyone could do it if they practiced as long and as hard as I have. And that really stuck with me because, you know, I was looking at that as something that was completely impossible for me. And I thought she must have some super innate talent and ability. And to a degree, she probably does. But she recognized that her own abilities were honed by her practicing and her repetition and the fact that she just got it in her muscle memory um, permanently. And that's what happens with lettering as well. You may have some innate artistic ability, you may not. But if you really commit the time and the effort to practicing and repeating, you will get better. Practice makes progress. Don't give up after one attempt that doesn't turn out the way you imagined. If you sit down to letter something and you look at it and think, oh my gosh, this sucks, and you want to tear it up, you can tear that one up, but don't walk away from the desk. Go back and try again. I can't tell you how many times as I'm illustrating from my books, I draw or letter something and I look at it and go, nope, and I cross through it. I might do that four times until I get the one that I like, but the fifth one was worth it. And I just would say that to you, friend, whatever number it is that you decide that you like, it's worth it, that you put in the time and the effort because it really is a fun hobby. It really can be a relaxing hobby. And if you take the time to practice, you'll find that you really can create things that you love. You know, don't decide that your lettering is terrible compared to the person sitting next to you or to someone you follow on Instagram. The comparison game is something that no one ever wins. I have an entire episode on that too. So feel free to tune in and listen to that one if you missed it. But you will never win comparing yourself to someone else. Instead, I encourage you to embrace your lettering or whatever crafty thing you're pursuing as a journey. It's about finding your style, not becoming me or anyone else. It's about becoming better today than you were yesterday. So give yourself some grace, friend, and remember that everything that's worthwhile takes time. Just don't give up because the world needs all the beauty and the creativity that it can get. 
So I hope, friends, that this discussion of the top five hand lettering mistakes that I see when I'm teaching workshops is helpful to you. I hope that you can identify which one or ones of these you may be falling into without realizing it. And you can see that each of them is easy to fix. So don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Keep on creating because trust me, you're making the world a more beautiful place. Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com.